Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Before we get started with the show today, I'd like to send a special thank you out to Jane Cobb for her generous donation of $40. Thank you so much, Jane, for supporting the show. If you would like to receive a shout out from the Messy Studio Podcast, go to www.messystudiopodcast.com and click the donate button. Donations of over $30 for a single time donation or over $10 for a recurring donation will receive a shout out on the show. On today's show, we are talking about branching out. While most artists have a way of working that is their main focus, many of us also explore other media or approaches on occasion. While in general, it is good to have something that you stick with in order to develop your ideas and master technique, these side trips can be very intriguing and even helpful in that they can feed new ideas back into your main art practice. Today, we'll talk about the benefits of branching out in the studio. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So back in episode 79, um, we talked about the benefits of going deeply into a chosen way of working rather than uh, doing a lot of different approaches, engaging in a lot of different ideas, um, because that you know helps you develop more strongly in a certain direction. And we do we do acknowledge uh, we acknowledged in that podcast that this isn't right for everyone. Some people do always uh, move around a lot, especially more conceptually driven artists, and they're looking for what is the right expression of their ideas. Um, but uh, just about anyone can benefit from now and then, you try something new, you you go into a different way of working. And, and not, that doesn't contradict the idea that a lot of us at least need a primary focus. But um, Trying other things can be really exciting and interesting, and that's what we're going to um, talk about today. So when you think about what appeals to you in your work, pay attention if you have a little, another little voice that occasionally speaks to you and says something like, wow, it'd be interesting to try some work in clay, or hmm, I've never really done 3D work. I wonder what that would be like. And when you find the opportunity to explore those things, there's a lot of benefits uh, to doing that. And I, at the basis of it is that I think as artists, we have a lot of different sides. You know, we're curious people, we're complex people often, and we're curious. And so that little voice can be a good guide. Right. And there's something that I think that we kind of miss about our early art careers where we're trying a lot of different things. We're in school um, and, you know, there there may be something that you really enjoyed about some other uh, discipline that you didn't end up pursuing as a career, but that you can still enjoy and can still inform your work in other ways. Yeah, very true. I mean, in an, in an art degree program, an undergraduate program, you typically have to take a lot of different media because you're meant to be exploring. And and even before that, in high school, you probably went through different sections in, in the year and tried different things. And yeah, right, just kind of connecting back with those times and, and remembering what it was that, that sparked your interest. In my own practice, um, I do have s- several other ways of working. And one of these, probably the biggest one for me, is photography, and with a focus on 
more of an abstract vision in the photos I take and paying attention to the the feeling or the mood um, that I'm trying to capture, not so much of a just scenic snapshot photo taker. And um, that's the most ongoing of other media I do. And I've never known quite how to think of it exactly because a lot of us take pictures, but I I do feel a special interest in in what I'm photographing and I have a lot of thoughts about it. So it's not it's not just simple simple snapshots. Um another medium that I I pursue uh, off and on when I feel like I have the time or focus is printmaking. And not all forms of printmaking, but ones that I can do on a small-ish kind of etching press that I have in my studio. So monotype, um, dry point, collagraph, um, carborundum prints, things that don't require special equipment really except for the press. Uh, drawing, I I do figure drawing once a week when I'm in New Mexico um, and occasionally draw from um, nature, out in nature. And I've always felt and continue to believe that this is really good for my overall practice. It's It develops a certain um, way of working with line and uh, kind of the hand-eye coordination. And then the, the last kind of group of things that I uh, work with, media work with, is uh, water-based. And that's usually gouache, sometimes a bit of acrylic and a little bit of watercolor and just kind of quick works on paper with that. So all of those probably don't add up to a huge percentage of my art output, but I consider them important. It's interesting to me how, how many of those have a very practical element to them. Um, you know, like, like with photography, you have a camera with you basically all the time in the form of your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and drawing and, and things like watercolor, other water-based media are, are very kind of, uh, uh, portable. You can, uh, you can take a sketch pad and a pencil with you just about anywhere. Um, and so doing as much travel as you do, it's, uh, it's very practical to have a few of those other kind of art practices that, that travel well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also printmaking, which requires special equipment and you can only do in your studio. And um, it's something that you clearly just enjoy doing. And it's it's not necessarily a practical addition. Right. Um, although I'm sure you get other benefits from from exploring that other medium. Yeah, I do. And also where I do an artist residency every year at Ballon Glen in Ireland, I do I can use the printmaking facility there. So sometimes in other places I can do that. Uh, but it's it's an interesting point because if you think about taking on another medium, you know, your thoughts go to, well, yeah, but I'd have to buy a bunch more stuff and I might need some special equipment. And so thinking about, let's say you want to explore clay, um, maybe taking a workshop or seeing if you could, you know, use someone else's clay studio once in a while, uh, so you don't have to buy all that stuff. But as you said, a lot of the a lot of things are things things that are not very expensive to acquire and easy to pick up and uh, even you know carry around on travel. And I think the idea that these different things that you might end up doing. I, I call it cross-pollinating, the way that they can influence and affect one another 
uh, affect your most your main uh, work that you do. And when I talk about the things that I do in this way, generally when I do prints and drawings, they have a kind of a stronger graphic quality. There's they're more definite than some of my work, and I think these have helped me develop those qualities in my more current work, which is more shape-oriented and, and more contrast, um, more structured. Those, those particular ways of working bring that out in me. It's not that everybody who works in drawing makes more structured, definite shapes, but that's what the, it does for me. And that's what I see how it brings, what it brings to my other work. And especially with lines, um, I, I think that to develop mark making and lines in a way that feels personal and has some uh, connection to your main ideas is kind of difficult. A lot of people make sort of random marks and they, you know, I need a little something here. So they put a little squiggle or something if, if they're working abstractly. And so maybe drawing realistically, if you do work in an abstract way, is a really good cross-pollination because it brings new vocabulary to your abstract work. Whether you're conscious of it or not, you have learned to draw in a certain way to depict reality, and that can enter into your abstract work in such interesting ways. And so I, I do value uh, drawing and printmaking by kind of extension because a lot of my prints at least have line work in them for that reason. Um, and... Um, Photography, I I mentioned, I guess just briefly, I would say, I feel like it enhances the way that I see things. And also that my, my painting influences my photography because of the way I see when I'm painting. So I bring this sort of abstract point of view to the photography, and the photography feeds back into my work in maybe a less obvious way, but I think when I'm photographing, I'm really present in in the situation. I'm really looking. And that just that act of looking and photographing deepens the other work that I do. And I, I value it for that reason. The the water-based media is interesting because typically dries very fast unless you put stuff in it so that it doesn't. And it is a whole different sense of time. When I'm working in oil, um, I have plenty of time to build it up, scrape it back, manipulate it around. And so there tends to be, at least in my work, a different kind of spontaneity in this water-based work. Yeah, it's, it seems like, um, especially with, with the drawing uh, there's a, there's an intention that, uh, is brought into the work rather than just, just a randomness. Um, and, uh, and there's, there's definitely uh direct crossover with, with everything you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, photography is really interesting, I think, because it, it really forces your perspective. Um, you know, that a lot of times when we're, when we're walking around, we're looking at things, we got two eyes, we've got death depth per- perception and uh we're we're able to to perceive things in a in a very kind of three-dimensional way and photography really flattens everything and it, it forces you to to understand the relationships between objects in a different kind of mm-hmm. way composition um, yeah yeah exactly yeah that's yeah. probably the main thing when you're photographing you're composing and 
I personally like to compose outside of, uh, I know I have the ability to crop and zoom in, but I prefer the approach of trying to get it right in my viewfinder in the moment. And later, I, if I want to make adjustments, I can. But it, that, that is an exercise in seeing how, seeing shape relationships, color relationships, and all those things. And it's, um, it's good for the brain, I think, the creative brain. <laughs> so what other benefits are there to, uh, to branching out? Uh, you know, I think uh, very basically, it's a fresh energy. It's a, and I'll go into a few more specific things about it. Um, but we, you know, we get we get very um, habitual, right? Like we, oh, what do you do? Well, I'm an oil painter with cold wax medium, you know. And so it is a way to expand your picture of yourself in ways that it really enhances your your creative energy, I think. To consider the possibilities and be open to things is a really good attitude because, like I said, we are curious people. And if you're shutting down a whole part of your curiosity, uh, well, you're shutting it off. You don't know what could happen with that. Um, so I'm going to go into a few probably a little more specific things about what I view as important in this respect. And the first one is just that you're going to be faced with new challenges, right? You're <laughs> you're starting something that you don't already know how to do. And, and, you know, that's really exciting. And it's good for us, too. It's good for our brains uh, to stretch and to take in new information and to also to put yourself in that position of being a beginner. And this is important, I think, very much so for artists that are further along in their career and starting to feel like, yeah, you know, I've got it. I've, I've got it nailed down. I, I'm doing what I'm doing. It's all good. And, and then all of a sudden, oh, but what if I try this completely new thing? Um, I know from teaching workshops that it's really challenging for someone to come to, say, a cold wax medium workshop who's never worked in that medium before, but they've been doing other types of painting, say, and they feel, you know, quite confident and, and you know, know what they're doing. And then all of a sudden, they're working with something that isn't behaving the way they expect it to. And it can be really frustrating. So it's kind of brave, I think, to put yourself in that situation, especially in a workshop where you're surrounded by other people. Some of these things you can do quietly on your own and <laughs> no one will know your your first attempts were so horrible. But it's that basic challenge of taking on something new. And speaking of someone in their 60s, as we age, <laughs> um, it is always good to keep developing new new things, learning new things. It's so important for our our um the health of our brain, I think. Um the other thing about being a beginner again is that it's so liberating. It is very freeing if you can let go of that idea that you should already know how to do this thing that you've never done before just because you're a good artist. Uh let go of that and then say, I'm just a beginner here. I'm just playing I'm exploring. I have no expectations for any great success, at least right away. I'm just enjoying it, enjoying the process. And so that is such a great feeling. And 
you know, like I said, if you can get into that mindset, if you're going to a workshop or something where you are around other people, just letting go of the fact that you've done this or that in your career, now it's time to learn something new. And I've had this experience with uh, printmaking and a long time ago in a photography workshop that I took. And it really was, I just had fun. I felt like, hey, um, you know, whatever happens, happens. Teach me, tell me some new things. And it's great. Uh, I, I would also say, you know, in that regard, that if you do have a lot of art experience, it's not that you abandon all that. It, it always comes into play, just like we're talking about cross-pollination. You know, you have basic understandings of composition or color that when you try a new medium, you bring all that to it. But there will be technical issues, technical challenges that will come along with learning something new. And um, I think also in terms of cross-pollination, that these other media bring out different sides of who you are as an artist. And we just talked about that a little bit with my own um, different things I work with. But maybe for you, drawing might bring out a sort of a sensitive side or a you know precise side that in your other work, maybe you're more free and loose and um, not so refined. If you're an abstract painter in particular, or any type of painter, you can have different ways of approaching what you do. And maybe your typical way is a little more raw or rough, or the opposite. Maybe the way that you usually paint is very precise and particular. You pick up drawing and you start, you know, freely rubbing charcoal around. And so it can work anyway, but it might bring out a different side of you completely. Um, and I think all of a sudden your work can become very gestural. Yeah. And it's not that it it's not that your main work has to change, but there will be some influence, some liberating feeling that would come from that, which is a good which is a good thing, I think. Um, there are certain activities, and I would put uh, working in clay, working with glass, printmaking, there are certain art activities that are a little risky in terms of what you're going to end up with. And maybe in your main work, you're quite controlled and you want to know what's going to happen. And take up something like clay, as you know, when you put it in the kiln, you're not really sure what's going to come out. <laughs> you might have a pretty good idea, but there's always these surprises. And working in a way that produces surprises could be really interesting. Well, I think that there's always surprises in any art practice when you're starting off and you don't really have a, a level of control with what you're doing. For sure. Um, and, uh, and as time goes on um, with, with any, uh, any particular field that you're working in, you're, you're going to get a, a, an increased level of control and sophistication with what you're doing. Um, and uh, it's, it, it, but it is, it can be very freeing to, to not know what's going mm -hmm. to happen. And really, I mean, I'm thinking of, of certain aspects of printmaking, say monotype. I think even when you're very skilled at it, there is an element of guesswork and surprise in how it's actually going to print. And that's part of the appeal. <laughs> Say, okay, right. I make a monoprint, and then I make a ghost print from it. What's that ghost print going to look like? Or what's the first monotype going to look like if I added a little extra ink here or a little less here? It's very experimental. And those kinds of activities 
you know, encourage this kind of freedom, whereas certain other things really don't. Like, let's say take watercolor. You pretty much have to be decisive about what you're doing. You may not be sure of how it's going to look, but you have to make a decision and stick with it because if you keep adding colors to a watercolor, it's going to become muddy. And so you sort of have a few chances to get it right, and then it's gone. You, if it doesn't work, you throw it away. And so certain media require this sort of uh, decisiveness or precision that others give you lots of freedom with. And flipping back and forth between those, can I think it's really a very interesting interaction. Right. It, it forces a change in mindset. Yeah. And that's the more I think the more you can flip back and forth, even in your chosen medium, the advantages are there. Like I'm working on this painting that's starting, you know, it has had this sort of loose spontaneity all along. But right now I want to get very precise and build some structure or put a very precise line in there. Now, my other background would allow me to do that and feed into it. So a few more other ideas of why you might want to do this. One of the really nice things about it is you meet new friends. <laughs> you make new connections. You have new colleagues. Um, so especially if you join a workshop or a group, say, plein air painting, maybe uh, you've always painted in your studio and decide, you know what, I'm going to go outside and paint the landscape. And joining in with some other friends or some group that does this and meeting people who for them, this is their main thing. And they they really know a lot about whatever it is. And they can really, you can really see the depth of the experience. Whereas if you just went by yourself, it would be interesting too. But connecting with people who are really good in the area that you're just touching on is fascinating. Um, I have a friend, Sally Bowker, who's a professional photographer. She's excellent. And Recently, I've been talking to her about some of my photographs and, you know, how can I make them better? What's going on here? And this is, it's so intriguing. One of the things about not considering it your main activity is you lose some of that ego involvement, right? You say, ah, oh, you know, I, I know I have a lot to learn here, so help me out. Uh, whereas if you're talking about something that is your main thing, a little bit more harder maybe to ask for help or advice from other people. So it uh, all those connections with the experts and whatever it is that you're thinking about doing can really be interesting, exciting, um, and offer new activities. Doing so ex expands your network as well, and you're able to maybe come across some, some other opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise. Right. Absolutely. As you develop this, whatever it is that you're doing, you may get to the point where you say, mm, now I'm really going to take a risk and enter this watercolor in a watercolor exhibit or something. And you've just only been doing this on the side, maybe getting some advice from people, but not considering it a big thing. And then, well, there comes a point where you sort of want to test how you've been doing. Um, you know, you do sort of want to cross that line from I am absolutely just playing and experimenting to is this actually getting good? I don't really know. I don't know how to judge it exactly because it's not really what I do. So uh, maybe you get to that point where you take a little leap and you take an opportunity and 
put it out there and see what happens. And that that's another whole level of this that can open up, like you say, new opportunities, um, new rec- new forms of recognition. And I don't know, it's a big world out there. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things about this, and we touched on this earlier uh, in terms of what you would need to acquire. Um, well, it gives you an opportunity to get some new art supplies, right? <laughs> And who doesn't love that? Um, at least the basics of whatever you're launching into. And that's really fun. I mean, if, you, if you've never really done a lot of drawing and just going into an art supply store and they usually have little pads where you can test out different types of colored pencils or different softnesses of graphite pencil and things like that. And, you know, buy some different things and try them out. If you've never done uh, oil painting, you know, maybe getting a basic starter set and seeing what you can do. You don't have to invest hugely in any of these things, uh, but it's, it's just fun to get stuff, right? I mean, well, and, and I believe that that all of that is deductible on your on your taxes as a, a business expense, um, even if it's not stuff that you're using in your main art practice, it still is is a part of your art business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, anything. And, and because it is actually. Now, it might be hard to convince the IRS of this, but any of this stuff. Well, we'll just send them this podcast episode. <laughs> any of this stuff builds you as an artist. And it, it cross-pollinates, like I said. So I think to... As the last part of this podcast, I'd like to look a little bit more closely at what some of these media have to offer one another, because it was an interesting exercise for me to think about different media. And okay, so how does how would this affect someone uh, if it wasn't their main media? And starting with painting, even within the category of painting, most of us have something quite particular that we do. We do oil painting, or we do watercolor painting. And it is actually a big leap to try something within the same category. Say, if you work in clay, um, going from Raku to whatever, help me out here, Ross. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> different, like porcelain. Uh, maybe or... like firing salt kilns. Or, I don't, there's a lot of crossover between different firing ca- oh, techniques. Okay. Um, and uh, and I was I was very focused on um, you know wood fire and and kind of atmospheric uh-huh. fire um, you know salt kilns right. and stuff like that. But you know if you're firing uh, an Anagama wood kiln, um, you can pull pieces out while they're red hot with a pair of tongs and throw them into kind of a raku setup if you want mm-hmm. to. Although raku is normally done at, at lower temperatures. Yeah, but what? Um, but there, I mean, there is a, a lot of crossover between different different styles of kilns and different firing techniques with uh with ceramics but there's different kinds of clay right yeah correct yeah there's everything fires at different temperatures uh there's there's your earthenware your stoneware porcelain so um it's uh and and different glaze temperatures as well um in in ceramics we refer to a a cone temperature Um, and I, I don't want to go too deep yeah. into but I'm, I'm technical thinking, details of ceramics. <laughs> I'm thinking of the, the parallel, say, between working in earthenware and then saying, well, I'm going to try some porcelain. You know, this kind of the, right, the parallel right. with different painting media. It's all in the same realm. You have basic knowledge. But the different actual material is going to teach you something new. And I think with painting, um, it, it you sensitize to things like drying time and um, – 
spontaneity. And you kind of pick up the advantages of, of each. And maybe when you expand in that way, certain ideas you may have, you may find to be more appropriate in, say, acrylic than oil. And this allows a, a fuller expression of what you want to do. Um, thinking about drawing and printmaking, at least most types of printmaking, they rely on visual texture, if if they include texture, not physical texture. Okay, so uh, physical texture being something you could feel with your fingertips, uh, exceptions in printmaking like collagraph and um, carborundum printing aside. Most of the time, a print is going to be smooth to your fingertips, but it can look textural in the same way that a photograph can uh, convey texture. So that visual texture can be carried into painting and other media, and it can teach you about how to – the advantages of, of working with, with that. So if you're working, say, in sculpture, you're relying a lot on physical texture – Maybe trying something where you're conveying texture, but not through physical means. And so that kind of flipping back and forth. And in my own painting, a lot of my texture is visual texture rather than actual. And sometimes people see my paintings and they say, they're so smooth. <laughs> they Most of them are quite smooth to the touch, but they don't really look that like they are. Uh, but then usually there are some areas where there's more physical texture, so I like to incorporate both. But being able to play around with that in different media is pretty interesting. Um, and I mentioned with precise drawing or realistic drawing how important that can be for expanding your visual vocabulary if you're an abstract artist, uh, developing your hand-eye coordination, developing your precision and flipping back and forth between realism and abstraction, not so much in terms of technique, but in the ways that you're thinking, um, this really, um, like I said, it expands your visual vocabulary. I, I look at earlier paintings, much earlier paintings of mine that were more realistic landscapes, and I realize the textures, the colors from that experience, how they have fed into my more abstract work. And... Even doing both of those in real time, if you listen to um, last week's interview with Cindy Stapper, that's two weeks ago, I guess, she she does this, goes back and forth between abstraction and realism, trying to find that sort of point where they they interact, they, the, the intersection between them. And needs if you do that, you need practice in both realms. You need to be able to paint well realistically, and you need to practice the abstract side of it as well. And then they really feed into each other as they as they do in her work. Um, I think flipping back and forth between 3D and 2D is also pretty interesting um, because 3D work teaches you about form and light and shadow. Um, if you're mainly mainly a two-dimensional artist. And the reverse, you know, if you mainly work in sculpture or 3D form, what you can learn from working um, in painting, say, is, is surface treatment maybe or negative space. And a lot of sculptors uh, do use drawings as a way to work out their ideas. Most of the time, if you go into a sculpture studio, there'll be some drawings hanging around. Yeah, usually thumbnails of uh, from multiple mm -hmm. views. Yeah, and it's 
Drawing can be such a practical way of working out ideas for any artist. And early on, I don't remember the number, but we did a whole podcast about drawing and how it's so fundamental and important. Another one I want to mention is collage. And this was something I did a lot earlier on as I was developing my abstract approach was taking different bits of old prints and drawings and things and rearranging them on a surface. And collage is exciting because you have no restrictions until you decide to fix it down, glue it down. So you can move things around. You can see new compositional ideas, interesting juxtapositions and all that. It's very um, liberating, I think. And it can help you bring structure to your work because you can you can work it out. Um, you know, do you want a big main form? Do you want a bunch of small forms? How are these forms going to relate? And you could even do this on the side in relation to a painting you were working on and just create some shapes that were similar to the ones in your painting and play around with them and see how they might work out. I did uh, mention quite a bit about photography already. So um, I do think that although it's not my main focus, uh, my photos are better because of the abstract aspect of my paintings. So they have fed into the photography. And the last one I wanted to mention was mixed media. And this can mean so many things. You know, you see things labeled mixed media and you're like, hmm, what can that be? It's a little mysterious. Um, but mixed media, well, basically means anything compatible that you want to throw on there and use, go ahead. And this opens up a lot of possibilities. And if you're familiar, say, with working with charcoal or working with powdered pigment or something like that, and you decide to bring it into a painting, that becomes a mixed media painting. And you've introduced um, something new that you already kind of know how to work with into a compatible other surface. And so it's really endless possibilities with that. Um, even something just as simple as adding ash or sand to your cold wax painting, it brings a, a new texture to it and new ideas. So I find this whole thing pretty exciting. And I, I did want to talk about it because it's a fairly important part of what I do. And I know that I typically identify as somebody who works in cold wax and oil and people think of me that way and there's the book and so on. But the picture of the whole artist is something different. And this is true for so many people as, as whole people, as doing all, everything that we do. It usually encompasses more than that one main thing that we might be known for. So do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Mm, yeah, I think exploring some of these other approaches if you do it as a sideline, as an interest, it's essentially play and experimentation, at least in the beginning. And and that's very liberating. And even though it may eventually develop into something that you you can feel is more major, more part of what you do, you, you're okay with showing it or exhibiting it, um, you often approach it from the very beginning with a different attitude. You do have this freer feeling about it because it's just something you took up because you're interested. And there's a there's a freedom of the need to prove yourself, I think, and, and just sort of a pure joy in pursuing these things. 
Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please make sure to check out squeegeepress.com, as well as www.rebeccacroll.com, and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.